season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, Please hit that subscribe button. That would be greatly appreciated. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Anything you can do to help us out would be greatly appreciated. No Eric Warner today. We're going. We're solely focusing on the Eagles today, and I have a very special guest, Eagles beat writer and reporter for The Athletic. Zach Berman is joining us. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No worries. All right, so let's jump into the big news of the week. You, Shio Kapadia, and Bo Wilf dropped a bombshell of an article on Eagles fans and just the NFL world in general. It grabbed some national steam. Um, it was a great piece. Again, congratulations on the article. It was an awesome read, and I, I'm fans, even the everyone on Twitter, everyone loved it. It was uh, I don't know if everyone loved it because it, it was kind of disappointing for some Eagles fans to read. But uh, again, congratulations on that. Um, I want to jump right into the article that you dropped. Um, first off, I just want to kind of know what the process. What was the process like writing this story with with three people? I know it's different than many articles that are coming out. Like having a three person team isn't normally what you see. And was this like originally what you guys were looking for when you dove into this article? Like was this the theme that you guys were going for? Did it kind of change up um, as you were diving into your sources and whatnot? Well, I'll answer. I'll answer the second part first, and that's we didn't know what would come out of it. Frankly, right? You know the uh, the impetus of the story was trying to answer the question what happened and and when i say that i i mean the, the team that we cover uh fired their head coach traded their franchise quarterback and just three years ago or you know 2017 season 2018 uh super bowl they 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 won the super bowl right so in in the span of three seasons the foundation that that was built upon uh is out the door so that's why uh we started the story and it was, you know, the information that we were receiving ultimately dictated, you know, what the story would be. And uh, uh, we did not go into it with any type of agenda. We, we went into it to find out what was going on. And then we, uh, we spoke to as many people as, as we could. We, we made sure that everything we put in there, we were confirming elsewhere. We were, we were uh, it, it wasn't just one person's account. It was multiple people's accounts. So that was was really what happened in, in, in terms of how the story ended up. And then in terms of a, a three-person story, it's kind of ironic to say, but and I, I say ironic because a story about collaboration required a lot of collaboration, right? You know, and, and that was the key was working with Shio and Bo. And, uh, you know, we all reported, we all write it or, or, or we all wrote. And, uh, you know, you, you saw the final product. That's really funny that I collaboration talk. I do a story about collaboration. That's a great point. Um, all right. So I want to get to the big point of the story. Well, I guess almost what fans kind of took um, or readers took from the story. I personally didn't take um, have this as my biggest takeaway, but a lot of fans and readers biggest takeaway of this was that Jeffrey Lurie has too much involvement in, the, in this organization. 
Um, it wasn't my biggest takeaway from the story. I, I kind of already not knew that he was involved, but I actually don't even, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think fans are kind of overreacting at the fact that Jeffrey Lurie is involved in the final decision-making. Should Eagles fans be worried about how involved Jeffrey Lurie is? It's a fair question. Um, I'll, I'll preface it by saying Jeffrey Lurie is a smart man who has been in the NFL for you know nearly three decades or he's in his third decade in the nfl i, I mean there are scouts who were uh, born after jeffrey Lurie bought the team right so so he's he's been around he's he's been around a, a lot of smart people uh he's he's been around a, a lot of critical decisions i don't think it's a bad thing if jeffrey Lurie is uh, is asking questions is is reviewing information is contributing however he can i think what's problematic is is if is if there's not like an established methodology for coming up with a pick or coming up with a with a decision that's that's more concerning to me is that if 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 you have scouts or coaches or or people in the analytics department whoever it, it may be contributing whatever information you know they're they're able to contribute and then they don't know how a decision is being made. Um, so I, I think that is is more problematic because I, I think right now what you have in the building is people say, well, this one's Howie's pick and this one's Doug's pick and this one's Jeffrey's pick and this one's the analytics pick. Well, no, you have to have the Philadelphia Eagles pick. And I think the, the way Great to point. achieve that is by having collaboration at the bottom and one decision maker at the top. And that's what they, they must strive for. I love how you said that. It should be a Philadelphia Eagles pick because it almost seems like uh, at least the past couple of years with the J.J. Ortega Whiteside is, is labeled as a, as a Lurie pick. And then the Riker pick is a Doug pick. It's like no one knows what's going on. It seems like there's no uh, accountability in the building. Um, I I agree with you, too. I, I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is a, the biggest problem with the Eagles. Look, he, he bought the team, I think it was back in 94. I don't know the exact yep. year. I believe 1994. Yeah. So, and I think if you if you were to take a look at every every NFL franchise since then, the Eagles are probably in the top ten in wins. I don't have the exact numbers, but just in, in playoff appearances and playoff wins and in, in wins in the regular season, they're probably a top ten organization or maybe middle of the pack. But I don't think that they are a dumpster fire because of Jeffrey Lurie. I think it's been a three year process that has put him in this situation because of the man that's running the show under Jeffrey Lurie, which is Howie Roseman. And I want to jump on him for a sec here because I have been beating this drum that something needs to change. And I've been saying Howie Roseman should have been fired. However, look, he, he's not, and we have to accept that. But something's got to change. Um, and do you believe that Howie Roseman is capable of doing that in the, in the building? As, as far as whether Howie Roseman is capable, he's, he's done it before, right? You know, when he, when he got back in charge in, in, in 2016, he instituted uh, changes. They they had two very good years of of decisions and free agency. Um, they they made you know they they had some solid draft picks in there. They had some misses. Everyone has 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 uh, misses. Um, but yeah, I, I think Howie Roseman is capable. That being said, I think Howie Roseman has a lot he must improve. I mean, he's he's tasked with overseeing the entire football operations department. Not just have they regressed in terms of you know their on-field performance and their roster has has gotten older, less talented, and more expensive, but they also have a lot going on behind the scenes that uh, is is counterproductive for a successful organization. So I think that Howie Roseman must be reflective here as opposed to reactive, right? If if he looks at what's going on and takes a hard look at how can I fix this, that's a positive. 
if he looks at what's going on here and he says, people are out to get me, um, you know, who's, who's talking, I'm a uh, uh, word better than the reputation would suggest, then I think, uh, I think that's problematic because that's not identifying a problem. I think they, they must identify a problem and find a solution. Yeah, and you had, I think uh, there was a there was a chunk in the article where you're saying that uh, there was a leak out and Howie Roseman was looking for the leak on a runaround checking cell phones. Like, it's almost like there needs to be accountability instead of blaming other people. And I think that has been a problem, and, and especially in Howie Roseman's press conferences as of late, he's kind of blaming the pandemic. He's, 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 he's pointing fingers elsewhere. It almost just seems like, and he's, he's talking about draft picks back from 2010. It's like, we don't care about when you drafted Brandon Graham 10 years ago. Like we care about what's going on now. And I am, and I am of the belief that Howie Roseman has the potential to fix this. I, I did want him fired, but he's not. And we have to accept that. And I think he's got a huge opportunity here to kind of rebuild his, um, his, uh, what, what, what fans look at him almost like his uh, respectability factor in Philadelphia. If he can kind of, turn this around. So um, I, I agree with you there. And I, I, wanted, I want to turn to this one because I think a lot of people had this takeaway as well. Um, the VP of Football Operations, I believe his title, Alec Hallaby was, uh, was a main focal point in your, in your story. A lot of people took out of it that he's kind of making the decisions here and he's buddy buddies with Lurie. Do you mind kind of just um, telling everyone how, how close he is with the Lurie's and how involved he is in the process of decision making? Sure. Well, one thing we should clarify, and, and, and we didn't do a, a good enough job in the article explaining this particular part, and that's uh, that I, I think people got the impression in there that um, that Alec Halby was hired because he's friends with Julian Lurie. That's, that's, that's not the case. Alec Halby's um, time with the Eagles kind of predates his relationship with uh, with Julian Lurie and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's older than Jeffrey Lurie's son. So it's not, it's, it's not as if like they hired Jeffrey Lurie's son's friend from college. So I, I'll, I'll make that clear. That being said, Al Calby, uh, is, is in the building is considered to be very close with, um, both Howie and Jeffrey. Right. And, and there is, whether it is the case or not, the perception exists in that building that uh, Alec Halby has a lot of sway over, over you know Jeffrey Lurie and 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 some of the you know or or that he he's he has a, a, a line there so to speak and so I think that's what I would highlight more than anything else is that the scouting staff and the coaching staff might look at analytics uh, and and the emphasis that Jeffrey Lurie places on it and the outsized role maybe that Alec Halby plays. Um, in that as, uh, or, and, and they might think there's an, there's an outside uh, a role there. Right? I, I didn't explain that well, but, but what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convey here is that, uh, there is a rift in the building between, um, other departments and the analytics department. And that's what must be fixed. And I, I isn't that just kind of like normal, like work stuff? Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, for instance, at The Athletic, like you have kind of, I'm not saying departments of, of analy analytics and whatnot, but you have departments that need a mesh, right? And it's, it almost seems like this is just stuff that normal normal jobs happen and the Eagles just can't get that done. Sure, but I, I, I don't think that's like an excuse for it, you know? And I think- No, exactly, good point. Yeah, yeah. And and really the, the key takeaway there is how much relationships matter and, and how the interpersonal component of it is so significant, right? You know, that uh, this is not a debate about the merits of analytics, right? And I, 
I actually think it's it's I think teams should use as much information as they can. This is about something that, like you said, could, could be applicable in every workplace. And and that is the interpersonal dynamics. Um, and that's what they must improve. So a um, couple more questions on this before I get your draft take. Um, how confident are you that they're going to be able to fix this? And um, how confident are you, I guess, in the next, I guess, I don't think Hallie Rhodes is going anywhere after this year. It almost seems like he's got a two-year leash at the minimum. Um, how confident are you in that Howie Roseman um, and Jeffrey Lurie can kind of get this um, all figured out? Time will tell. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. They're in a period of transition. They've done it before. So they they do have history on 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 their side, but they're going on to three years now of of making poor decisions. Uh, it's not the strategy that's been the problem. It's been the execution that's been the problem. Uh, and and so how confident am I that they're going to fix it? It's it's really hard to say, right? You know, I I need to see how they go about this. I I, I do think they've made um, some good moves this off season, right? You know, they they've they've been opportunistic on the free agent market. Uh, they have two first round, they've added potentially two extra first round picks next year. So they've, they've made some good moves this off season, but I, I can't tell you like in a vacuum, this is what they're going to do or, or this is how they're going to fix it. Uh, I really need to see how they execute the plan they put together. So I, I understand why you guys didn't include Doug Peterson as much in this article. Because look, Doug Peterson is not the coach in Philadelphia anymore. Like the story was about the current ownership and, and process of Philadelphia Eagles, and Doug Peterson is not there. So I understand why you guys didn't um, include him as much. But um, a lot of people were kind of criticizing the fact that uh, th this looks like this. Doug Peterson's a victim here, almost like he is the victim of this process. Is that true? Because I, I don't really buy that. I do believe that he was obligated to be fired as well because I don't think the coaching staff did a great job. But what, what's your take on that? I think Doug Peterson did not do a good coaching job in uh, in 2020. And I don't think he's handled his staff particularly well during the past few years. Uh, that being said, I, I do think that there were conditions in place there that, that were grading on Doug, right? And that, uh, you know, for someone who – accomplished what he accomplished and, and had, had, you know, should have had uh, a certain amount of, you know, uh, status or stature, if you will, in the NFL. I, you know, I, I think that uh, there were times where, where he did not feel empowered. And uh, I'll say this, like, if you don't trust your coach to put a, a coaching staff together, you don't trust your coach to put a, you know, in terms of the game plan or some of his, his, his game plan decisions, then you don't trust your coach. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, that's that's not to say that there shouldn't be uh, productive conversations and you're allowed to, to, to disagree. That's a good thing. But um, but I, I do feel it's important that a coach feels empowered by his, you know, by those he answers to. And if if uh, if Doug did not feel that way at, at times, then there clearly is a disconnect that uh, falls on, on, on both sides of the equation. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Anyways, again, congratulations on the article. It was an awesome reading. If you haven't already, please check it out. One more question before you go, Zach. NFL draft is in 13 days. Um, the Eagles currently have the 12th overall pick in the draft. Um, I, I want to know what you would do with the 12th overall pick, not what you think is going to happen. I kind of want to know what you're thinking. What should the Eagles do at number 12? And do you have like one or two players that you kind of have your eye on going forward? So what I would do if I was in that draft room is I would go up to where my depth chart is listed on the board. 
I would rip off that depth chart and I would say, we're not paying attention to anything that's on this roster right now. Yes, right. The, the, the only thing we're thinking about is I would say to the people in the room, who has the best chance here of being a Hall of Famer? Who has the best chance here of being like an all pro player? You know, what, what, what the Eagles don't have right now are franchise cornerstone blue chip players. That's what they need. And I, I, I don't think the Eagles are in a position in their roster building where they can say, how does this player fit with Dallas Goddard or Andre Dillard or Jordan Mailata, um, or in the, in the scheme? No, the only – your North Star needs to be who's the best player long term. And, 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 and so that's what I would say. And you can be opportunistic if, if a guy falls. If, if someone like Kyle Pitts is slipping in the draft, try to go up and get him, right? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and don't worry that Dallas Goddard's on your team. You know, if, if Sewell is slipping, go up and try to get him if you think this guy can be an elite left tackle or stay at 12 and see who falls there, right? If, mm-hmm. if, if you think Patrick Sertain or you think J.C. Horn – can be top of the league corner, or you think Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle can you know can can be standout wide receivers? Then do that. But what you can't do is make a decision based on uh, a mediocre roster um, or schemes that you haven't even put in place yet. Like there are times in your you know if if the Eagles were coming off a twelve and four season and they're a player away. Um, then you can think that way, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but they can't do that right now, and they shouldn't do that right now, and that would be the biggest mistake they could do. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm so happy you said that. I've been beating that drum all offseason. Take best player available. Don't look at the roster. You should be acting like you're starting from scratch. Um, I, I completely agree with that, that, uh, that opinion. Anyway, Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Before you go, why don't you tell the listeners where you can find your work and any promotions going on at The Athletic? Yeah, I appreciate it. Go to theathletic.com. Um, if, if you go to theathletic.com slash birds with friends, you can find uh, uh, promotions there. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. Awesome, Zach. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks. That was Zach Berman, NFL beat writer for the Eagles from The Athletic. Um, if you haven't already, please check out that story on The Athletic. Um, it is titled Paranoia, Mismanagement, and Office Politics Inside the Eagles Downfall Under Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. It was a great story. Um, Zach Bow and Shield doing great work there. And, and, and describe the athletic, it's worth it. Trust me, it is 100% worth your time. Anyways, with the first pick of the 2021 men's grooming draft, the Baxonville Sagwires select Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Looks like Mel, K- Mel Kiper gave this an A plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. The perfect package 3.0 kit is designed to make grooming below the waist easy. Confidently trim below the waist with a lawnmower 3.0 waterproof trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology. Enjoy the soft ceramic blades cutting coarse hair at 7,000 RPMs. Because of the ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced. This is the perfect protection needed for your franchise quarter balls. The Crop Preserve is an anti-chafing ball deodorant, which ensures that your afternoon stroll doesn't end with your ball sticking to your leg or smelling like eggs. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with a soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your testes a boost. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DOINK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code DOINK. It's time you turn that team in your pants around with Manscaped. All right, so I'm going to go alone here for five couple minutes i've never done this before on this podcast so bear with me um i have something to say about this uh, this eagles article because i haven't really gotten my take out um on, on twitter or 
or anywhere on this. I, I kind of tweeted saying basically that, that Harry Roseman is still the biggest problem, but I haven't really dove into it. Um, what's what's sad about this whole thing, in my opinion, like what's the what my biggest takeaway of this is that the Eagles just can't just do simple work stuff. And I said that was that a couple minutes ago, but like this is this is business one on one here. All right, you got different departments at a company needing to merge together and have synergy to create a great product on the field in, in the football instance. And the Eagles can't do that right now. You have the analytic department butting heads with the scouting department, or you could say the concussion uncles of, of the world, the scouting department. Um, like the, these two departments in an NFL organization need to be together. They need to be in synergy. And it seems like, and exactly what Zach, Shield, and Bo reported, that they cannot simply do that. And that is just to mean relationship and business one-on-one. You need to be able to control your organization. And it seems like Harry Roseman can't do that. That is my biggest takeaway. I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is the problem here. And I know this might upset fans, but I truly don't. Like, take a look at this organization the past 20 years. I've been watching since about 2001. Since I've been an Eagles fan um, for about 20 years, this organization has been probably a top 10 winning organization. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I personally believe that. And look, they've had their ups and downs. Like they clear, like this team has broken my heart plenty of times, broken fans hearts plenty of times. I get it. But if you compare it around to, if you compare it to the other teams around the league over Jeffrey Lurie's ownership time, they are probably, I'd say probably in the nine to 16 win range. And I, again, I don't have the exact numbers, but that's my guess. So I don't think it's his problem. Like I don't, I, 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 he's part of the problem, but I don't think he. This should be your biggest takeaway. I think the biggest problem is the Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen, Roseman relationship. Not one individual. Not just a Howie Roseman problem. Not just a Jeffrey Lurie problem. A relationship problem between those two. Those two clearly have um, have issues of running an organization together, and it seems like they are acting like they are the only two voices that matter, and that can't happen. Can Howie Roseman fix this? Well, like he's got everything he needs. He's got he's got job security. Clearly, like he's not going anywhere uh, unless the Eagles like go like either way. There's there's 17 games now, three and 14, or two and 15 this this season. I, I don't think that how Rosen's going anywhere. He he's he's around to stay, and it's clear with kind of what's going on. They just traded down um, six picks to gather more draft capital. Um, they've they've kicked the can down the road on a lot of these contracts. Uh, well, that, that's almost they had to do it. They really had no choice with the cap situation. Um, so he's not going anywhere. And, like, again, unless they blow up this year, he's, he's around to stay. So he's got job security, one. He's got draft capital, too. Like, he's, the, I think the Eagles have the most picks in this year's draft. Um, they, they, they potentially have three first rounds next year, at least two, potentially three. And even if it's not three, you get a second-round pick out of it. He's got all, everything he has, everything he wants at his disposal to fix this. I, I said it on the – I said it about five, ten minutes ago with Zach. Howie Roseman has the best chance, the best opportunity in the world to fix his legacy in Philadelphia at his fingertips right now. He got a ton of he got a ton of uh, hype and love for winning that Super Bowl three years ago, and since then it's been downhill. And fans have turned on him, and rightfully so. Like I, I'm not, I, I'm I probably drive the bus of the fire Howie Roseman train. I did this offseason, and uh, he look. This is like a golden opportunity for the guy. Like like Zach just said reflect and fix don't point fingers he's got a great opportunity here to fix this and and i and i do i have confidence that he will no but is there an outcome that he will 
yeah, it's possible. And and again, he has all the tools at his fingertips to do so. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening. We will have more draft coverage for you. Um, we have Dane Brugler of the Athletic NFL uh, draft expert, probably one of the best in the business. He dropped a uh, a full draft guide, 267 pages, I believe, was the total. Check it out. It's titled The Beast. If you check out his Twitter, you'll find it. We are having him on Wednesday. We will have a defensive outlook on the draft later on the week. We will have a we have Jill Gallant of Odd Shark coming on. Um, I think we're going to do it on the Wednesday before the draft, getting some betting aspects to the draft. Tons of content coming from the Double Doing Podcast in the next couple of days. Make sure to check it out. If you haven't subscribed already, please do, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is sponsored by 22Bet. 22Bet is your one-stop shop for all your sports betting. Download the 22Bet app now for its easy-to-use interface. The app is fast and reliable and completely intuitive. The sign-up process is short, and the sign-up process is remarkably quick. There are lots of products, including slots and live casino betting. Mark your favorites for quicker access to your preferred sports leagues and teams. 22Bet is a huge selection of payment methods as well as options for cryptocurrencies. Your transactions are fast and no additional fees apply. Take advantage of your 100% welcome bonus for your first-time deposit. 22Bet has some of the highest odds on the sports you're interested in, along with excellent coverage of sporting events, including local leagues. Terms and conditions apply. Visit 22Bet.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.